Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. I want to kick us off with a question. What would sustain you for longer? Uh, A bit of bread every day or a Big Mac once a week? would sustain you for longer. Now, some of us might say, oh, obviously the Big Mac. It's a a Big Mac. Look, think of all the calories in that. But I I wonder the more health conscious of us would say a bit of bread every day is much more healthy. But don't we all do that? We search for things to sustain us. And sometimes it's the more alluring, the more colorful, the more exciting things that we turn to to fill us. That's a question I want to ask and explore today. What will fill us? What will sustain us? What will keep me going? What will give my life purpose and meaning and value? And to these questions, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. We spend our lives for something that will fill us, and Jesus points us to the one who gives us life, and that's him. That's him. We're going to be um, continuing our series in the I Am series, looking through the Gospel of John, uh, and we're going to hear about what Jesus has to say for himself. And in that, we have lots to learn about ourselves. Today, we're opening up to John 6, uh, where, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Uh, just to give you a bit of orientation where we're going, I'm going to give a bit of context, uh, then read the passage, and then ask three questions. What are we seeking? What is the bread that will last? And how do we receive it? So just to give context, uh, what's happened leading up to our dialogue here, at the beginning of chapter 6, there's this amazing story where Jesus is uh, is... Uh, traveling um, on the other side of the Sea of Galilee and uh, there's this massive crowd following him around and they're getting hungry. And so Jesus, being God and, and the great provider, he feeds them with two loaves and three fish. And, he, and how, how big is the crowd? 5,000 people. And even the means by which uh, they would record... Uh, record numbers, that'll be 5,000 men. So you think, and the women and the children, thousands and thousands of people, Jesus feeds. He gives thanks to the Father and he distributes the bread and they are satisfied and they are filled. After this, uh, Jesus goes up, he withdraws to a mountain and he sends his disciples across the sea to Capernaum. The seas become rough and the disciples are scared. There's this big storm and the boat is, is taking on water and they're terrified. And then they see this person walking on the water towards them. And it's Jesus walking on water, doing the impossible. And they go across the, the sea to Capernaum. And that's, uh, that's a context because... It's important to understand that because that's raised in the first uh, verse as we read. So if you have a Bible, open it up to John chapter 6. 
We're going to read from verse 22 through to the end. And the wind is going crazy here. And maybe God's got something else for us to preach today, but hopefully I'm able to keep on the page. So John chapter 6, verse 22 through to 59. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but the disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near to the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then, he, then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who is, whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work will you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about Him because He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does He now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world 
is my flesh. The Jews then disputed amongst themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in them. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. It's a massive passage. So much in there. But let's start asking that first question I mentioned before. What are we seeking? What were the, what were the crowds seeking as they came to Jesus? They, they noticed, uh, they, they became hungry again. And they went back to where Jesus did that massive miracle. They noticed the boat was gone and they knew Jesus didn't go with the disciples and there was other boats. So they're coming around searching for him. They go across uh, the sea and they finally found them and they asked Jesus, how did you get across? Like it doesn't match up. And of course, there's an amazing story there, isn't there, of how Jesus went across uh, the sea walking on water. But Jesus doesn't tell them that story but he calls them out for what they are seeking. He says, you're, not, you're, not, you're seeking me not because you saw my sign, not because of who I am, but because you're hungry. You're hungry. You're after a feed. They're coming for fickle things, some things that would last today but won't last in t- tomorrow. I don't know if you've ever had uh, a really big meal and uh, you feel, oh, I just can't eat any more, just absolutely stuffed. And then perhaps like me, a few hours later, you're in the kitchen making some toast. Things do not last. But Jesus says, seek the bread that will last forever. Seek the bread that will last forever. So he's not saying that seeking is bad. Seeking is not bad. But what are we really seeking for? And so they ask, okay, well, what, what must we do? How do we get this bread that lasts? And Jesus says, believe in the one who sent me. Believe in the one who sent me. And now they go, okay, well, show us a sign. Give us a sign so that we can believe you. You know, first they were asking for a feed. Now they're asking for experience. And they, they say, well, you know, do you remember Moses in the Old Testament when the Israelites were traveling in the desert and, and there's no food available in the desert? God provided them manna in, in the desert. Could you do a sign like that? It's funny how... The sign they're asking for involves food again. But the point of of that story that God provided food in the desert, manna in the desert, I'll read it. Exodus 16 verse 15. uh, When the Israelites saw the manna, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it is. Moses said to him, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. 
And the Israelites missed the point of that story, the point of that, that important moment in their history, that it wasn't food for them to consume and be satisfied. It was the Lord that gave the manna. It was the Lord that gave them that food. And so Jesus says, it wasn't Moses who gave you the food. It was God. It was Yahweh. It was our Lord in heaven. And that food, that manna, pointed to the greater bread that God would provide that doesn't last a day, but gives life forever. So these Israelites, they're after food to fill them. They're after a sign to impress them. But what Jesus offers won't just fill them, won't just impress them, but will give them life. And I wonder how often do we spend time searching for things that will not satisfy that that will we, we t- spend time searching for things to fulfill us we're, we're seeking that great experience or investing in our future in security in, in wealth we, we're chasing those instagram likes and that experience but we find it just doesn't satisfy we always need more we're always seeking more or at the end of the day or end of our lives it's just not enough. Even, even now, uh, Facebook and all that, they've created a whole new universe, the metaverse, because they realize this universe doesn't satisfy us. So let's create a whole new one where it can keep seeking things to fill us, to satisfy us. It will not last. It will not satisfy. Even good things, seeking to do good in the world, family, hobbies, even community and things like that, they're good things, but ultimately they will not satisfy. But searching for meaning, searching to be satisfied is not a bad thing. It is not wrong that we want to be filled. It's good. It's because that's how we've been designed, to be filled, to have a desire, to to be connected with something greater than ourselves. So it's not that we should stop searching for meaning and stop, you know, deny ourselves. But we should seek for it in the right place. Seek to be filled by the bread that will last. And what is this bread that will last? Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He is. Jesus is the bread of life. He hasn't come to give bread. He is the bread. He hasn't come to, his purpose isn't to provide things that will satisfy us. He will satisfy us. He is the reason we gather. He is the one we worship. Jesus says, whoever hunger, whoever, again, excuse the, mic problems. Whoever believes in him will never thirst again. This bread of life, bread that gives life, is powerful. It's profound. And so I want to spend a moment thinking, what, what is it about this bread that is so powerful, so important? What is it about Jesus and him as bread 
that makes, it, makes him so important for us. The first thing is that bread is a necessity. We need it. You know, bread and, and carbs in general is something that often in t- today's day, we, we try to avoid carbs and avoid eating too much bread. But back in the ancient world, bread was a staple. It was part of every meal. If you didn't have bread in a day, you probably didn't eat at all. It was part of living was eating bread. And you needed it to sustain you, to fill you. And we need Jesus. We need the bread of life. Our deepest need is to be connected with the God who created us. And that's only through the bread of life, through Jesus. Bread is nourishing. It's nourishing. As we eat it, it fills us. It nourishes us. It gives us the energy we need to do the things uh, we need to do. And I love that Beck read Isaiah 55 earlier today because that was a prophecy from uh, hundreds of years before Jesus promising that God would provide bread, would provide for his people to satisfy them. And I want to read it again because it's such a powerful passage. Hundreds of years before Jesus came into the world, God said to his people, Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and labor on what does not satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the riches of fear. Give ear and come to me. Hear me, and your soul may live. God says to everyone, come to me. Not just the rich, not just the elite, not just those who have their lives all together, not to the already satisfied everyone. Come to him that your soul may live. God calls us, Jesus calls us to come to him, to receive that bread, to receive life, to be given that which will nourish us, which will complete us, which will heal us. Jesus himself. It's not an object, but it's a person. It just tells us how is it that him as bread of life gives us life? It's because his bread that gives life is his flesh. If you read in verse 51, the bread that gives life is my flesh, his body that was broken for us. The means by which his, his, the bread gives us life, his body gives us life, is that he took upon himself that which brought us, brings us death. He took upon himself our sin, our selfishness, our desire to seek out meaning in all the wrong places. He took that upon himself when he died on the cross and defeated it, paid for it, dealt with it once and for all. And he rose again, defeated death by taking on that which brings us death. He defeated death and rose again. And it's in that same power, all who come to him and all who believe in him will be raised on the last day. When, as he gives us his body, we are forgiven. We are saved. We are healed. We are fulfilled once and for all, given the life that we were meant to live. 
This bread, it's a necessity. We need it. It's nourishing. It gives us life. And perhaps the most profound, it's given freely. It's given freely. Right? Jesus and the Israelites compare it to manna. And, and back in that, that situation in the desert for the Israelites, God made it very clear that it was God who gave them manna. They didn't have to work for it. In fact, if they worked for it and collected extra manna for themselves and did that, that, that work to store up for themselves, then the next day it would rot and have maggots. It was God who provided for them. All they needed to do was go and pick it up and receive it. It's not works that earns this bread, not like a day's labor to to get your bread for the day. God gives it freely to all who would believe. The Israelites asked Jesus, how are we to get this bread? How are we to get this bread? He says, believe in the one whom God has sent to you. Believe. God gives freely to all whom God has has chosen. And that brings us to a bit of a tricky part of uh, this passage that very wise and learned people have been struggling with and arguing about over many years. As 44 says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. As it was written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. No one can come to me except those who the Father draws. And this, this kind of sounds like some contradictory ideas. You know, we're, we're told that we need to believe and receive in order to, to gain life. But at the same time, no one can do that unless God calls them. Are these two ideas that, that seem to be uh, incompatible? You know, which one is it? Are we responsible and you know, need to have faith in order to receive and, and believe and, and, and receive that life? Or does God call us to himself and choose us? Which one is it? Uh, scholars and various people call this debate the debate of predestination and free will. Lots of ink spilt over this. But I think what this passage has to say to us is actually quite clear. God gives us the bread and our response is to receive this. Now, these aren't, though it sounds like it, they're not actually contradictory ideas. Charles Spurgeon, talking about this issue, he said, you know, we, we keep trying to reconcile these two ideas, but we forget that you don't need to reconcile friends. You don't need to reconcile friends. We, these two things are true at the same time. We have a responsibility to receive, to respond in faith. That's true. God has predetermined those who would come to him in faith. That's true. God calls to him those who are his. That's true. His people respond in faith. That's true. God reveals himself. We respond. That's what scripture demonstrates. And I think this is is important to realize because this means that we can't be lazy, that we can't think that we have no responsibility to respond or do anything because if God's chosen me, he's chosen me. That's it. I don't need to do it about it. I don't need to talk to other people about Jesus because if God's chosen them, he's chosen them. 
No, no, we have responsibility. We're part of God's plan to save us, to, to have faith, to respond, to share Jesus with others. We also, also can't be proud. Look at me, I've made this decision. I've given my life to God, unlike all those other people who haven't. I've done this. I respond. Here I am. No, it's not about me. It's not about us. It's about God's grace towards us. God is the one who's called us to himself. We haven't figured it out. We can't figure it out. God is the one who calls us. And we re- when we realize this, that he does that in spite of our lack of ability to find him, in spite of our sin, in, our, of, in spite of our selfishness, how much more does that demonstrate God's love and grace towards us, that he's chosen us even when we're absolutely helpless? So this brings us to the third question. How do we receive this bread? How do we receive it? It's not by works. It's not by figuring out our path to God, not by finding this secret bread in order to take for ourselves. It's believing in the one whom God has sent. It's by believing in Jesus, the bread of life. Now, believing is not an intellectual term. It's not, oh, yep, I know the right information. I've got it. I can say the right thing. It's believing. If I, this bread right here, if I truly believed that I needed it, that I was starving for it, if I believed it was real and true, that it nourished me, there's, there's no way to actually believe in that if I wouldn't actually eat it, receive it, take it in. Belief is a life transformation, realizing our need for God, giving our lives over to Him and living out the life that He gives us. And there's a pattern that, that emerges in this passage. As I was reading through this, I was struck by uh, this, this pattern of uh, be- the belief that leads to eternal life. Uh, verse 53, there's this really weird passage that I actually get really excited about. So Jesus said to them, and read with me, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. That's weird, isn't it? That's weird. Where did, how do we suddenly turn into this cannibalistic area? Like, what's going on? Jesus says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I'll raise him up on the last day. What is this stuff about eating his flesh and drinking his blood? Look, if you're new here today, if you're watching online and this is your first exposure to Christianity, first exposure to Jesus, I just want to apologize how weird and wacky that sounds. And look, we've got to realize there's some weird stuff in Christianity. But the, the, the amazing thing of this is we need to receive him. It's not just bread for us to hold and to admire. It's to eat. It's to consume. And, and okay, well, are we physically actually eating Jesus' blood, flesh and drinking his blood? No, it's, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. And if you, if you compare verse 54 and verse 40, it reveals what the metaphor is is therefore. 53 says, whoever feeds on my flesh 
and drinks my blood has eternal life. Verse 40 says, uh, whoever looks on the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. It's parallel. We feed on him. We drink his blood. We look on him. We search for him. We seek him out. We come to him and we believe in him. This image of receiving Christ is not just uh, it's not just holding up this information and believing this intellectual stuff. It's actually receiving Him, coming to Him, coming to Him, seeking Him out. Like I said before, this desire to search for meaning is a good desire. It's good to search for something greater than themselves. It's good to search to find meaning and purpose and value. But we need to find that in Him. We need to search for that in Jesus We come to him and we believe in him that what he offers, what he is, is true, is true. Verse 55, I think is one of the most important verses that we need to read in today's age. It says, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Now we're led to believe that things that we can't touch and feel aren't real. Because Jesus, he's not right here. He's not like this piece of bread that I can pick up and feel and touch. And therefore, it's not real. But what Jesus says, no, well, actually, there's nothing more real than what he has to offer us. There's nothing more real than his body and his flesh and his blood and his sacrifice for us. Because the things that we can touch and feel that that feel real to us today will not last but what Jesus has given us, what who Jesus is. And, and when we, our lives are in Him, that will last forever. And that is more real than anything else we could see or feel or touch in this world. That is the true bread. That is the true flesh, the true blood, the true food, the true drink. And verse 56, whoever feeds on his flesh, whoever comes to him, whoever drinks his blood, whoever believes in him, abides in him. It's not just about consuming Jesus. It's about abiding in him and he in us. It's about having a relationship with Jesus, having a relationship with the bread of life. We need to feed on him. And so I want to, as, as we wrap up and, and the band can come up at this point, I want to ask a few more questions. What will sustain you? What will sustain you? Will daily bread sustain you? Or a burger once a week? What will sustain you? How many of us feel like we could be satisfied by having our Jesus fix once a week on a Sunday and thinking that's enough to maintain us throughout the week and yet we find ourselves spiritually starved? We need to come to Him every day. We need to come to Him for our daily bread, our daily bread. It's not to be saved. It's not as if we don't do that, that we don't have life. But it's to receive what Jesus has for us the life that he has in store for us. 
And we come to Him, we come to Him in His Word, in Scripture. He has revealed Himself through the pages of Scripture. And so I don't know if you've already been traveling along with us. Uh, a lot of the staff and a lot in our community have been reading through the Bible this year to, to discover Jesus through the pages of Scripture. Why not join that? It's reading about four chapters a day. That's, look, to be honest, that's a bit much for me. So I, I um, subscribe to a different Bible reading plan. This is really hard to remember. It's BibleReadingPlan.org. And it's just one passage a day so that I can come and hear God and Jesus reveal Himself through His Word. And look, if you're not great at reading, listen to an audio, to audio Bible. And it's not just listening to it, but receiving it. Reading God's Word and saying, yes, I believe this. This is true. This gives me life. And a life I'm going to live in obedience. Our desire to be filled, to be satisfied, is a good desire. It's a good desire. But we need to make sure that we're looking in the right place, that we're searching for the right thing, the right person. It's a, it's, it's a shame that uh, what we've seen in, in Western society is that lots of people have been leaving the church, leaving uh, churches, because they, they come to be satisfied. They come for, for a, you know, great talks. They come to be for a great community. They come uh, for a great worship experience. And all those are good things, but even those things will not satisfy. They miss what it's actually all about. There's this researcher, David Kinnaman. He, um, he researched uh, th- this, this phenomenon of, of people leaving, and particularly young people leaving the church in droves. And, and he, he identified those who stuck around. What was distinct about those who actually stuck around at church? And the first thing he found is that they had intimacy with Jesus. They weren't there for the experience. They weren't there uh, to be filled. They weren't there for the community. Although all those things are good. They were there for Jesus. And that's why this year, the eldership, the leadership of this church has decided our first priority as a church, what we're going to be investing into is intimacy with God, intimacy with Jesus. Because that is what will sustain us. That is what will give us life. That is what will help us through this crazy world that we, that we find ourselves in. And so, as I wrap up, are you satisfied? Are you satisfied? Why are you here? What are you searching for? Now, as, as, um, as I was reading that last part, eating his flesh, drinking his blood, if you've been part of the church for any amount of time, you probably see some parallels to communion. Lord's Supper, Eucharist, what we call it many different things. And a lot of people think that Jesus is talking about communion at this point. I don't think he, he was for a few reasons. First, the timeline doesn't add up. This is before God, Jesus instituted communion, uh, the Lord's Supper with his disciples before that. But second is that both of these things point to 
the, the reality that above everything else, we need Jesus, that we need to come to Him, that we need to feed on Him. And so we're going to uh, share in communion uh, to, to finish this message. We're going to share in communion. And in doing so, we're going to celebrate. We're going to remember. We're going to declare what God has done for us. That He sent Jesus into the world to be the bread that we so desperately need. And His bread, that bread that His flesh was broken for us. That was our sin that that made it necessary for Jesus to die. He died the death we deserve. And He took that which causes our death. He took sin away from, from us so that we could live. He took our death and He gives us His life. And so as we come to communion, we're going to eat the bread. Do we come to Jesus? Are, are we searching to be satisfied in Him? We're going to drink uh, drink the blood. Do I believe that He has set me free? These sins that I've been harboring, that I'm not willing to let go of yet or I feel guilty and shameful of. Do I believe that He has forgiven me? He has set me free from that. And so in a moment, uh, there's, there's stations at each corner of, of this crowd uh, for communion. You can come and someone will give you uh, a little communion um, package. In that is a little wafer and um, some juice to drink. And you eat that and you drink that in your time. And you reflect on, am I receiving Christ, Jesus, His body broken for me. Think of what He did for you on the cross. Think of the life that He gives through His resurrection. We'll drink and eat those things in our own time. There's also uh, uh, gluten-free over here as well, for those who knew that. And then we'll come together again to worship, to, to center ourselves on the one who gives life. He is why we are here. All we need is Jesus. He is the bread of life. He is the bread of life. Are we ready to receive Him? Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.